0: Welcome to AEC Marketing for Principles, brought to you by Smartigys, where we help design and construction firms navigate sales and leverage marketing to win more projects. Here are your hosts, Katie Cash and Judy Sparks.
1: Hi, everyone. Katie Cash here, joined by my partner in strategy, Judy Sparks. We are excited to bring some ideas and some um Strategy discussion to you all today, really around the difference between sales and marketing. Um, Once again, but today we're going to take it a level deeper and talk about the difference between account-based marketing (ABM, for short) and account-based sales (ABS), that you might know it. So, um, as we dive into this conversation a little bit, Judy, maybe you might just rehash for our listeners kind of how we at Smarteges envision and define the difference between sales and marketing, just so we're all kind of on the same. Level
0: again. Sure, Katie. You know, it's one of my favorite things to do is to educate our industry in uh, the differences between sales and marketing. As you know, sales and business development and marketing are all used pretty interchangeably still in the design and construction industry. And we like to really uh, define the three um, in a very simple way in that sales are things that you do one to one. Uh, So you take a client out. To lunch, or you meet with them one to one, or you um, maybe take them to a Braves game. Those are all things that I find fit perfectly in the sales category. Um, you know, product demos, service demos, all those things that you're doing one to one. Business development in my humble opinion, is just a fancy, polite way of saying sales. So uh, we do use those interchangeably. But when it comes to marketing, it's really the things that you do one to many. And the one is really your brand, not an individual. So when you think about the way that you get your brand visible in a mass way, whether that's through a print channel, a digital channel, uh, maybe some traditional advertising. Um, those are all marketing activities. So when you talk about the differences between account-based marketing and account-based sales, it's really just taking both of those functions to a more strategic level where you are really focused on your highest value customers. I hope that answers your question.
1: <laughs> I think that's great. And I, you know, Account-based marketing is definitely a term that is trending across, you know, the B2B industry, certainly picking up speed in the design and construction space as we start to see clients engage in those business strategies more and more these days. But I think it's helpful to just address the elephant in the room and just kind of acknowledge the fact that the design and construction industry while yes they're new to ABM and account-based marketing, the industry has almost always been doing account-based sales. That's right. Maybe you can go into a little bit more um, you know explanation behind what exactly is account based sales and what are the other terms that people have often uh, called it in our space because you know we like to be very professional and call things all different things that are widely known in other industries as um, very simple terms.:
0: Sure, so account based sales is really about focusing on your highest value customers and doing all of the things that you normally do in sales. Uh, things I mentioned before, you know whether it's doing lunch and learns or it's taking somebody out for a meal or meeting with them in their office one-to-one, but really allocating your time and your effort and your resources and most importantly, your budget to allocate an appropriate amount to the highest value clients and maybe less um, effort and resources allocated to the lower value clients. So I think that principals um, in every part of the AEC industry, whether you're a principal in an architecture firm, um, engineering company, or um, a partner in a construction firm, when you have a dedicated... Business developer or salesperson or sales team, you're always wondering what is my ROI on the spend? How do I know that that person or that team of people are spending their time wisely where I'm going to get the biggest return? Because, you know, there's only what, 12 hours in a day? Is that the standard working day now in our industry? <laughs> there's only 12 hours in a day. Yeah. Workday, uh, work day and if it's more than that then uh, we want your resume because that is probably um excessive but you know our industry is known for long hours and the cost of client acquisition is um quite high. And so principals, um, myself included, want to know what our sales teams are doing and how they're spending their time. And are they spending their time on those customers that are habitual buyers um, that over a period of time is going to give you the greatest return? So it's been called a lot of things. Um, I remember when I was a salesperson um, prior to starting <laughs> um, Many years ago in my career, I sold National program management services for the K12 sector. and um, I remember the executives of the firm I was selling for really concerned about my pipeline because while other salespeople had um, you know a pipeline of twenty or 30 you know leads that they had accumulated along the way, I would have less than ten, but my close rate was always higher. Than others in my peer group at that company. And the reason why is because I I felt that less was more and to really spend a lot of time uh, diving deep into those relationships that were going to give me the greatest return. So we called it competitive intelligence marketing or competitive intelligence sales back then where the premise was, if you know your customer or your prospect uh, better than your competitors know your customer or prospect, and that customer or prospect knows you and your firm better than um, those of your competitor, then it increases the likelihood that you're going to win. And so um, we use that philosophy across the board over time. um, As I proved that that was successful, that became the sales model for our firm. And I think that um, others have called it uh, a strategic account approach or a key account approach. But the, the whole idea is the same, is that you're not going to spend the same amount of time and effort chasing a $2 million project if you're a national general contractor as you are a $200 million project. Makes sense, right?
1: Yeah, I think it absolutely does. And I think, you know, I I thought it was funny kind of how you framed up the principals trying to wonder whether or not it's worth that salary and and that it you know discretionary expense fund for their sales staff because you know is it really do they really need to play golf every day you know are they really getting the leads are they really you know building the relationships that that need to be built in order to solidify a project and I think in our industry that has been so heavily rooted in relationship driven sales you know that one to one you know knocking on a door one at a time and having the personal relationship with the client has has really um just kind of been the model and where everybody's been comfortable and you know I think you and I have interviewed countless owners about whether or not The relationship with those particular individuals really weighs on the final selection. And what we find more and more true today is typically everybody that's been shortlisted has a relationship. So it's no longer kind of the defining factor. But what we're seeing more on the account based marketing side is building those relationships with those prospects really ahead of the sales team, even reaching out. So, you know, in in your and I world, in our world rather. we're calling those marketing qualified leads. So you know, let, let's pivot a little bit from account-based sales and talk a little bit about ABM and account-based marketing. And from where you sit, Judy, and you know, working with so many CEOs across the design and construction space, why do you think that ABM is really picking up now? And not that we're abandoning relationship-driven sales, but we're definitely seeing a, a pretty big uptick in just general marketing efforts these days that are more proactive and, and targeted.
0: Well, like I said, Katie, um, the cost of client acquisition is really getting out of hand. You hardly ever see a major project um, hire an architecture firm that hasn't put some thought into the design or conceptual ideas about that building. You hardly ever see a contractor get awarded a project who hasn't done a lot of preliminary pricing work to get there. So the the cost of client acquisition continues to be a uh, problematic and a real cost for many of our clients. And so they're looking for ways that they can have um, indicators that they are courting the right customer um, well in advance. So, marketing qualified leads has come into play really in the last. You know, maybe two to three years in the AEC industry, um, obviously a lot longer than that in other industries and other B2B industries. But the idea is that your brand is out there um, positioning for the masses and really generating leads. Um, primarily online. And yes, I did say that professional service firms are generating (laughs) leads online. That is happening every single day. And if your firm is not doing that, we want to hear from you because um, it is the most affordable way to um, generate a lead and convert that lead into a customer. So I think that um, marketing qualified leads is a concept that through your marketing efforts and through the behaviors of your prospective customers, you can make informed and educated uh, decisions on whether or not that customer is worth pursuing. If your salesperson only has you know, 12 hours a day, I'm going to stick to that number, to make sales calls, then um, it would be really super helpful... For that business developer or salesperson to have some indicators, um, key performance indicators, if you want to call them that, um, that there's a customer out there that is interested um, and... His behavior has shown that, yes, he's clicking on that content offer, he's visiting your website, he's spending more time um, looking at the content on your website. We call that dwell time. How much um, are they investing in your brand? And there are some indicators that some customers may be more interested than others. Also, indicators that you know the timing to call on them might be right. So this is such an on-demand society now. Everybody, you know, is accustomed to a Netflix type experience where, when you're ready to buy, you want it to be there. And so the whole idea of a account-based marketing program is to be there and meet your buyers where they are when they're ready. Um, and more and more firms are doing this with great success. I mean, we represent lots of professional service firms from program management firms to real estate brokers. And um, the feedback that we get from our, our principals of those firms is that they feel like they have more clarity around how the effort is being spent with their business development team, as well as their marketing team is really driving revenue to the firm and not becoming that not just being the proposal production house that they've been historically.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think that was really well said. The one thing that you started to kind of touch on is this idea of, you know, generating leads online and having content online that meets your prospect where they are in the buyer's journey. But what really makes up an account-based marketing strategy. You know, is it inbound marketing tactics like you mentioned? You know, having this great website and you know these eBooks, maybe or, or content. Is it outbound marketing? Like, what what are all the components that are included? And that might be a little bit of a mixed bag question, but I'm I'm sure you're up for the challenge.
0: I <laughs> I think that it's all of the above, and and no two campaigns are are the same. No two customers are the same. So really understanding. Um, where your brand deficits are going into a campaign and where the gaps are and how to fill those gaps might lead you down a channel like an email outbound push might be all that you need. Other times, you may not have a list available. So you may have to target those people online using um, things like job titles and company names and geographies or you know, fields of study in terms of where they went to school. Um, There's a lot of different ways uh, that You can target your audience online now um, and be very precise about it. But the real key to account-based marketing is making sure you structure it right. So in account-based marketing, all clients and prospects are not created equal. So we like to tier them in categories. And each category gets a different level of personalization. So what we think of as a tier one client, that's your habitual Buyer of your service, they are your highest value customer. Everything that customer gets is highly personalized to them. It's one to one, it's personalized to them, and um, it's custom written.
1: But when you say personalized to them, is it um, personalized to the organization that this particular prospect represents or to like the person themselves? Like, would it be specific to Katie in my case or specific to Smartiges? We've seen it done both ways.
0: So, okay. for example, um, one of our clients um, is a program management and facility maintenance company uh, that caters to public sector clients um, in a in a space that's not easily understood and very, very technical. And um, they sell to state governments. And this last election cycle, there was 27 new governors. For example, across the US, those 27 new governors and their legal aides and um, their staff received a very customized, personalized message from our client. And that was all automated. So, those are, that would be considered a tier one client if it is, you know, specifically addressed to that said governor. Let's say that they are doing. Um, a mass um, customized content offer to governors all across the U.S. Well, we would put that in a tier two category, uh, what we call a micro cluster. So maybe... um, they don't have exactly, precisely the same issues, these customers, but they are in a micro cluster where they have a lot of common issues. So maybe it's not personalized, but it's customized to those common issues. And then your tier three category of clients is really talking about Lots of times we see it as a category that is a pipeline builder or just keeping your name out there to the masses um, in a select group, but it's not um, customized at all. It's more of your boilerplate marketing messages. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, if I were just to to recap that, what you're saying is not all client accounts are equal. Um, certain clients and, and certain prospect accounts, if you will. Warrant more attention and warrant that personalization. You put those in your top tier. Those are those are the ones, as you described it, are habitual buyers. They're going to be a long term relationship. You're going to invest heavily in speaking directly to them, their language, meet them at their pain points, and build that relationship along the way over a course of years. And then you know your tier twos kind of are similar, but um, you know similar groups, if you will. So they they might be the example you gave might be the governors. In general, all governors kind of have these general pain points that would appreciate client XYZ's offering in this level. Um, And then you have, you know, your tier threes that are a little bit lower. And as you go down the tiered pyramid, if you will, kind of that level of personalization diminishes, and it also allows you to focus the the time and the effort. It sounds like on those that are more your tier ones that are in a position to bring better or more value to your client. Um, you, you talked a lot about structuring, kind of picking those key accounts. I think the other question we get most often from principals who are just learning about account-based marketing for the first time is, okay, well, you know, my sales and marketing team, they are, they are two different silos. They don't work together. They're separate. You know, sales is in charge of this lane. Marketing is in charge of this lane. And I've got my business unit leader over here. So who owns Account-based marketing, like who who comes up with the list, who determines the targets, who's generating this content, who's doing the strategy, who's running it. Um, like, do you have any advice there? Like, how do you how do you build your structure for your account-based marketing team within an organization if you're going to adopt this business philosophy?
0: Well, I think it's different um, for every industry, really, in the B two B space. But for our industry, primarily design and construction. Um, I think it's super important that it's a partnership between the C-suite, the people who are setting the goals and measuring the success. um, And then um, sales takes a really big role in... um, owning that list of target accounts. Um, It's super important that they buy in because that's how they're going to be measured. And so you really allow them the autonomy um, to come up with their list of key accounts. Um, Obviously, it needs to be blessed from the top down. Um, And then marketing really needs to step up to the plate and show the sales team how they can support them better. So the way this all works is, let's, let's say the C-suite says for next year's fiscal year, we want to increase our uh, market share by 20% in said geography or said market, or maybe there's an actual you know, numeric number or dollar amount assigned to that. Uh, The salesperson then should name those key accounts that's going to allow them to meet that monetary goal. And the marketing leadership and marketing um, contributors need to come up with the marketing ideas and channels that are best going to support that salesperson to generate marketing qualified leads. So you see how they all have to work together and in collaboration with one another. And one of the reasons why our customers absolutely love account-based marketing is that it forces their silos to come together as one. Um, No longer is sales out there... just you know, hitting the pavement without a roadmap no longer is marketing doing independent um, marketing activations with no regard to what the sales goals are, um, and no longer is marketing um, just a reactive proposal production group.
1: I do think that's probably the biggest success story. There is just the the alignment between the two efforts and the ability to, you know penetrate the market more effectively, more consistently, you know, when you have sales and marketing aligned there. Um, I think you're probably in a better position than I am maybe to share some before and after. So typically, when you have sales and marketing in, in their own little silos, you know, the world looks like this. You've got the sales team out there, like you mentioned, hitting the pavement. You've got marketing responding to RFPs. Sometimes the sales team might give them a little bit of insight on the project or who the selection committee might be. But they're often, you know, very independent um, individual contributors to the business unit. What does life look like when you have them collaborating together and they are actually aligned? Like, what does that, uh, that picture look like? Eventually, it
0: looks great. Um, but I will be honest with you, the biggest hurdle to making this um, adjustment is, you know, it's a it's a big cultural change. And I think a lot of firms um, underestimate um, that every party involved has to give up something. So, um, you know, the before and after might look like this. Um, there might be a sales team that is accustomed to going to all the same trade shows every year, playing in all the same golf tournaments every year taking the same clients out to the same dinners every year. So after a while, there's some diminishing return there because you're spending money on the same people over and over again and waiting for them to buy. At what point do you say, I really need to reallocate my funds elsewhere? And so one of the big hesitations that the C-suite has um, in adopting account-based marketing is where do I find the extra budget that is going to be required in order to do things that um, will support this account-based marketing effort? Because these these are things that typical design and construction firms haven't budgeted for. So what we tell our customers is, you already are spending the money. It's really a reallocation of funds. So the sales teams that get on board with this are usually the ones that are able to give up some of the things that they are accustomed to spending money on and reallocating those funds to marketing causes. Um, we have a national general contractor who you know started ABM this year for the first time and uh, they took $40,000 out of their local Atlanta sales budget and allocated it to ABM to raise uh, visibility in a uh, very important sector that they do a lot of business in to be able to grow market share. And they spent those money monies on things like content offers and videos and digital advertising, uh, retargeting ads. To get their name out there because their biggest deficit is the salesperson that was banging on the door one door at a time just couldn't get the coverage and speed of market that an ABM strategy would afford. So in one, you know, digital campaign, they ended up getting thousands of impressions and hundreds of click-throughs on their video directly with a you know buying audience within a very specific sector. Um, That same money in the previous years was used on three golf tournaments and a couple of trade shows. So by far, the return has been much greater because now they are entering those trade shows and those um, things that they are still doing that they didn't cut out with a very high level of visibility and the engagement in the sales efforts are bringing um, more business than the previous way. Does that make sense?
1: I think that does make sense. And I think, you know, really what we've seen with some of our clients that have embraced this new idea is they've gone from flipping an RFP over the cubicle, you know, from sales to marketing, is we've got marketing watching these campaign dashboards, you know, through technology tools and through um, automation tools where they can say, hey, sales team here are some hot leads and the sales team is like super excited about it because they're not cold calling anymore like they have some data they understand you know where some of the pain points might be where the points of interest certainly are and they're able to like you mentioned kind of expedite those conversations and ultimately the sales team is you know being measured by their ability to drive revenue growth right and so certainly they would they would love this partnership and we we have seen it be Highly, highly successful once everybody kind of gets in alignment and understands that everybody's given up a little bit of everything, but it's all for the greater good.
0: And my favorite part is the C suite understands what they're buying. Um, a lot of times, sales and marketing is putting that one line um, overhead. <laughs> called overhead. And it's a large number. And that doesn't usually in our industry include the man hours that seller doers or doer-sellers are putting into the game. So the um, again, the cost of client acquisition is enormous. And I really encourage um, for the C-suite leadership in the AEC industry to start taking a closer look at how you're you know, not just your dollars, but your, you know, your dimes and nickels and pennies are spent because um, reallocated in an account-based marketing platform, you can get a lot better return for every dime, nickel and penny you spend. So, Well,
1: and also, you know, opportunity cost. you know, there's that too.
0: Exactly. Bandwidth is a big issue. And if you're spending your time taking out the wrong client, um, then, you know, who are you not taking out that now your competitor is spending time with. So I think that that is a, a a real struggle is trying to have enough hours in the day, even if you are already working a twelve to fifteen hour day, um, to reach everybody that you need to reach.
1: Yeah, and you know, as we sit here today, th- this is a, a highly competitive marketplace as we sit here in the U.S. today, and you know, needing to have time to focus on. Doing things that are going to make the biggest impact right now, because as you mentioned, a lot of our design and construction professionals are seller doers or doer sellers, and so they're not fully you know focused on sales all the time, so when they do, they need to use that time wisely
0: another reason why a b m makes a lot of sense um a lot of your professional service firms, um especially in the architecture and engineering realm um they don't have dedicated salespeople that are commonly found in the g c world and so um if you're a seller-doer, you're a doer-seller and you have a lot of billable responsibilities. When you finally find time to do something that looks like business development, it would be really super helpful for your marketing team to be able to come to you and say, here's an owner that has clicked on and downloaded our content offer on sustainable design 12 times. And here's this information. You ought to probably give him a call. Um, I think that most seller doers would much rather pick up the phone or send an email to somebody that has already shown interest in them and be able to start the conversation with, um, you know, it appears that you've recently visited our website. It looks like you might be interested in this, this and this. You know, do you have time for a cup of coffee or I'd love to come see you and tell you more? Do you have time for a phone call? Yeah, I think that that is a lot easier than. Hi, my name is, and I work for this firm, and you may or may not have ever heard of us, but we're interested in, you know, doing design work for you. So I think that just the idea of a cold call for most professionals um, is just horrific. They'd rather do anything than make a cold call.
1: Well, they do do anything. (laughs) Let's just let's just call a spade a spade. There. So you know what I'm hearing from you is. Account-based marketing is really great for any kind of firm in the design and construction space. You may be selling you know, engineering services, architectural services. Maybe you're um, you know, selling sustainability consulting even. But there's an application for account-based marketing for you. And you could be a large firm, a small firm. You could have multiple uh, geographies that you are trying to service. But there's a way that you can approach your sales and marketing efforts maybe with a little bit more thought and strategy and proactive. Um, approach through this kind of filter is that
0: safe to assume absolutely I think that um, what's happening in our industry is marketing is just getting a whole lot more strategic and a lot of that it has to do with technology you know the technology that is available to us today um, just simply wasn't there even five years ago so now there's just no excuse there are so many automation tools um, if you have a marketing team that is manually doing anything. Um, you probably need to pause and ask this for an easier way, a way to scale this um, faster and cheaper than we're doing now,
1: yeah. I think so too. So as we wrap up today's conversation, I, you and I could talk about account-based marketing, I think, all day because it is something we're very passionate about. And we know that our um, C-suite clients are really getting eager about it. But a lot of our clients, you know, as we're going into the fourth quarter of 2019, they're starting to plan for 2020. So what advice would you give the principals and the executives out there at design and construction firms as they look at their 2020 budgets, their strategic planning, when it comes to considering whether or not account-based marketing is right for them at this point in time?
0: It's a pretty loaded question. Um, I have a lot of advice I'd like to give, but the one piece of advice that I give most often is to let your sales and marketing people do their jobs. And what I mean by that is a lot of times, principals, um, they back off uh, the accountability Train. So they feel like they have to dictate the business strategy or tell their marketing or sales uh, teams um, how to go about their go to market strategy. What I would tell principals is set your financial goals, set your business goals, and then turn around and hold your sales and marketing teams accountable and make them develop and own their plans. if you find that they are unable to do that, a lot of times principals feel that they are unable to do that because they don't, sometimes they don't have a um, technical background. What I find is some of the best ideas come from people who have been formally trained in marketing. If they understand what the business premise is and they understand what the business goals are, at least allow them to bring their expertise to the table and show you how they plan to meet your goals, and which distribution channels make the most sense and how much it's going to cost. Um, I think that oftentimes principals are surprised at what their sales and marketing teams can do if given the responsibility and if they're held accountable.
1: Well, that is a wrap today, folks, for our episode regarding account-based marketing and what it is. If you have enjoyed today's discussion and you are interested in how firms across the design and construction space have implemented ABM as a business strategy, make sure you tune in next week where I will be sitting down with... JLL discussing how they have rolled out account based marketing um, across the Americas as they've continued to strengthen and focus their sales and marketing efforts. You won't want to miss it. Have a great week. You've been listening to AEC Marketing
0: for Principles, brought to you by Smartigies. If you like this episode, please let us know by
1: visiting AECMarketingPodcast.com, where you can learn more ways to position your brand and sell to owners.